0: We'll begin with a reign of terror. A few murders here and there. Murders of great men, murders of little men, just to show we make no distinction.
1: To be walking up the stairs with a camera bag that belonged to a young woman that had her severed head in it. I would move heaven, hell,
0: and anything in between to get to you. You wouldn't be safe anywhere you
1: know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear.
0: I guess not. All they were was shot and left. <laughs> if it, it was a horrendous crime, why didn't I shoot them between the eyes, cut their penis off, stick it in their mouth, you know, do all kinds of gross stuff? All they were was shot
1: and left, you know?
0: Hey, strangers, welcome to a new episode of Strange Talk podcast. Um, I'm currently a little under the weather. I'm not sure if you can tell because my voice is like a little bit more deeper than it usually is because I don't feel like I have a this deep of a voice. Usually I feel like I sound like a child still, but I'm currently um, a little sick. I I don't know. I think I might have like a upper respiratory infection. So I'm going to try to minimize sniffles as much as I can and Through the magic of editing, I'm going to be able to edit out my coughs when I do cough. Uh, But trigger warning, before I get into the case of Daniel Plant, because that's what we're going to be discussing today. Um, Before I get into the episode, a little bit of a trigger warning. There's going to be some discussing of uh, sexual assault. So if that makes you uncomfortable and you don't want to hear about that, I don't go into great detail about it. But um, if you are uncomfortable with sexual assault, then this episode probably isn't for you. But having said that, Let's get into the bizarre case of Daniel Laplant. Daniel LaPlante was born on May 15, 1970, in Townsend, Massachusetts, living in a chaotic environment. His home and surrounding lawn was littered with a massive amount of junk and old cars, so much so that the city had fined his father. Unfortunately for Daniel, living in squalor was not his only misfortune. During most of his childhood, he was allegedly physically and sexually abused by his father. This caused Daniel to have behavioral issues all throughout elementary school. And when he reached high school age, he was described by students and faculty as a loner and unwelcoming. LaPlante attended St. Bernard High School in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, where he was recommended to see the school psychiatrist. During his sessions, he claims that his psychiatrist sexually abused him as well, causing Daniel to spiral further down a dark path. By the 1980s, a neighbor had grown concerned over Daniel's behavior. He was often seen going into the woods behind his home. You'd see him walk out there by himself. That's the only place you'd see him, in the woods. This was spoken by a neighbor, which on the surface is honestly what any normal kid would do if they lived near the woods. But what wasn't normal is what Daniel would do in the woods. Daniel would slaughter animals, mostly local cats and small wildlife. Diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder by the psychiatrist who allegedly sexually abused him, LaPlante became a neighborhood thief by the age of 15. He would break into neighborhood homes during the evenings and stole occupants' valuables until he graduated to mind games. See, Daniel began leaving things behind and moving things around in his neighbor's houses to scare them. In 1986, his mind games turned to pure terror when he became obsessed with 15-year-old Tina Bowen. They had attended the same school, and LaPlante had taken her on a day over the Easter break. When Bowen returned to school, some students told her that LaPlante was facing rape charges, and according to her father, Frank Bowen, he didn't want his daughter Tina to have anything to do with LaPlante. Over the course of several weeks, in late fall of 1986, Daniel Yoplant gained entry to the Bowen home at 93 Lawrence Street and Pepperell near Townsend. From a small crawlspace no wider than six inches, he initiated psychological torment on the family. Tina Bowen's mother had passed, and during her grieving, Tina and her sister would use a Ouija board to try and contact her deceased mother. Daniel, while living inside of Tina's walls, overheard this and began impersonating a ghost hoping he would convince Tina that he was the ghost of her mother. Daniel would change TV channels while they watched TV. He would take random items from around the house and rearrange them. He would also drink their milk from the fridge and empty alcohol bottles by spilling them on the floor. Eventually Daniel would scrawl disturbing messages in Tina Bowen's room like marry me And I'm in your room, come and find me. And he did this by using mayonnaise and ketchup. Okay, so it's pretty fucking gross. As well as a knife pinning a family photo to the wall. So he took a knife and stabbed it into the wall, attaching the photo. (laughs) Though Frank Bowen believed his daughters were messing with each other, he soon learned the truth was far worse. On December 8th, 1986, the girls returned home to find someone had used their toilet. After a search by Frank Bowen, LaPlante was discovered in a wardrobe with face paint, wearing a Native American-style jacket and ninja mask, and brandishing a hatchet. LaPlante hustled them into a bedroom before disappearing somewhere in the house. Tina Bowen escaped through a window and contacted police, who found LaPlante two days later in the cellar of the house. Okay, now, again, two days later. So, LaPlante was still in the home for an additional two days before the police could actually find him. Um, Now, during the research, I didn't find anything that explained like if the Bowens were still living in the home while they had originally seen Daniel. Um, I couldn't find anything like that. But to just imagine that the police couldn't even find him for another additional two days. He was still inside, living in their walls. And I can't imagine like what he was doing exactly. Like if he was he just secretly waiting to use the restroom while they would go doing errands, like, you know, grocery shopping or if they would leave the house. Or would he like shit and piss in buckets or like jars or something? It's fucking crazy. So the way he got into the home was uh, he, the police found him hiding in a triangular space in a corner bounded on two sides by the concrete foundation and an inner wall. Leplant had clearly been living there for weeks following his arrest at the bowen home Leplant was held in a juvenile facility until october 1987 when his mother remortgaged her house ensuring his ten thousand dollar bail two months later he committed his worst crime yet so it's not even done that's not even like what is the worst thing because the worst is yet to come while awaiting trial LaPlante moved home and continued his daytime burglary spree. On October 14, 1987, he stole two 22 caliber firearms from a neighboring house. And on November 16, 1987, LaPlante burglarized the home of the Gustafson family, which included pregnant nursery school teacher Priscilla Gustafson, her husband Andrew, and their two children, 5-year-old William and 7-year-old Abigail. But this wouldn't be the last time LaPlante broke into their home. On December 1st, 1987, LaPlante walked through the woods, separating his house from the Gustafsons, armed with a twenty-two caliber firearm. He later claimed he didn't expect Priscilla and her children to come home. But what happened next is every family's worst nightmare. According to retired Pepperell Lieutenant Thomas Lane, LaPlante considered jumping out the window and escaping, but instead, he confronted Priscilla with the 22 caliber gun and led her and her son to the bedroom, putting William in the closet and tying Priscilla to the bed using makeshift ligatures and gagging her with one of his socks. After raping Priscilla, LaPlante shot her twice in the head. He then took William into the bathroom and drowned him. As he was leaving, he encountered Abigail Gustafsson, who had returned home on the school bus. He lured Abigail into another bathroom where he drowned her as well. Then the plant simply returned home and attended his niece's birthday party that evening, like nothing happened. Meanwhile, Andrew Gustafsson had been calling his wife all afternoon, returning to an eerily quiet house with no lights on, Gustafsson feared the worst. He first found his wife dead lying face down on the bedspread. Then he fled the house and called police. He later reported that he refused to look for the children because, and this is his words, I was afraid I would find them dead. According to court documents, LaPlante was easily implicated in the scheme using forensic evidence. Police even found the shirt and gloves he wore to drown the children in the woods behind the Gustafsons' house still wet. With the scent of the shirt, dogs tracked through the woods to within three to four feet of LaPlante's home. The evening after the Gustafsons' murders, LaPlante was interrogated. Lacking enough evidence to arrest him there, police planned to return the following day, but LaPlante fled and a massive manhunt ensued. After a few sprees of breaking and entering to neighbors' homes in Pepperell, LaPlante was found hiding in a dumpster and arrested on the evening of December 3rd, 1987. LaPlante went on trial for the Gustafsons' murders in October 1988 and a jury found him guilty of murder. He was convicted on three life sentences. Chillingly, that wasn't the end of his story. LaPlante appealed for a reduced sentence in 2017 But the judge found that he was not remorseful for his crimes. Instead, the judge affirmed planned sentence of three consecutive terms of life imprisonment. I actually have the audio for that from the trial, too. That was conducted from a local news station, and I will play it for you right now.
1: There is a hole in my heart that will never be filled until I meet them in heaven. Unfathomable pain that has lasted since December 1st, 1987. It's shocking. Body rocking, stomach curling. 33-year-old Priscilla Gustafson, who was pregnant, was raped and murdered in her home in Townsend. Her 7-year-old daughter Abby and 5-year-old son Billy were drowned in the bathtub. The killer, Daniel LaPlante, was 17 years old. He was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life in prison, but a recent Supreme Court ruling means he must now be re-sentenced, since he was a juvenile at the time of the crime. But I'm truly sorry. The harm that I caused. Today, Laplant stood and faced the judge, not the victim's family, as he stated his sorrow. But the family isn't buying it. Priscilla Gustafson's husband Andy, remarried in the years after the murders. He passed away several years ago. but today his second wife spoke on his behalf. Mr. Laplante extinguished Andy's family for no apparent reason sidelined his career, sent him into bankruptcy, ruined his health and left him a shell of a man for a very long time. So Daniel LaPlante, for the murder of my sister Priscilla and her unborn child, I forgive you. Priscilla Gustafson's brother said today he forgives LaPlante for all three murders, but he made it clear to the judge forgiveness is a spiritual thing. It is not a get-out-of-jail-free card resentencing will happen in the morning
0: so as you could hear uh the brother of priscilla gustafson um i'm not sure what his name was uh, really bad at research on that part on my on my part so forgive me for that but yeah he actually like you heard in the audio clip from the news footage he actually forgave um daniel laplante and uh, that might seem strange but it's it is ca- possible for somebody to forgive him but like like the news reporter said it's it's not a get out of jail free card just because he forgives them so you know i guess it kind of helps daniel laplante conscience i guess but um yeah so yeah this is a short episode um so i apologize for that but i hope you guys enjoyed this interesting case of daniel laplante and um Yeah, I'm finally back. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Also, too, isn't it crazy in the news footage? um, 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 What is his name? Oh, my God. Andrew Gustafson. I can't believe I forgot his name. But Andrew Gustafson's second wife actually testified in court because, unfortunately... Andrew had passed away uh, seven years prior to that footage when that happened, which I believe it was in 2017 when that footage aired because that was when Daniel Plant was on trial again uh, because he had a face resentencing because, as you heard in the audio footage, um, he was a juvenile at the time. He was only 17 years old when he murdered Priscilla and her two children. So, mind you, he was only 17 years old when he conducted that murder which is pretty crazy if you think about it he was pretty young um he wasn't that young but he was still technically in high school at that time when he conducted uh when he you know murdered those two kids um and i can't believe what andrew would have gone through because i can't imagine what i would go through if i had faced something like that um so yeah that's pretty crazy and his second wife uh was there i can't imagine what she might have went through and what it was like being married to him um, you know, I don't mean to pass judgment because that's not I'm, I'm actually not even judging. Um, but that's pretty uh, interesting to think about, you know, because I can't imagine like if I was to like uh, date someone else and uh, their loved one had died, whether it was by murder or just by a tragic, unfortunate accident, you know, I maybe it's just I would be insecure because I would be thinking constantly like I will never amount to or I could never live up to that person. So I guess that's just my insecurity showing, but it would be very hard for me to do- deal with that because I don't think I could ever like, cause I'd just be thinking in the back of my mind, like, you know, you loved that person that died and I can't feel their shoes. And also too, it's probably not them looking at it that way as like, Oh, you're feeling their shoes. But you know, I I've seen some pretty uh, crazy Reddit stories about people who dated, um, Somebody that was murdered, They not somebody who was murdered, but they dated somebody who was with somebody that had been murdered. And they were basically uh, being compared to that person that was murdered. And they were just simply there to fill the void that was left behind. Uh, from their significant other that was murdered. So yeah, that's a pretty interesting thing. So maybe that might be a topic that we might uh, discuss one day is just interesting, crazy confessions on Reddit. I have talked about um, in previous episodes when I was doing the podcast about um, 4chan murder. So if you're you're new to the podcast and you want to listen to that episode, it's a pretty interesting episode. It's about a a man who murdered his uh, girlfriend and he posted on a message board called 4chan. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but yeah, he messaged uh, the thing. And I, and I will tell you the truth. I was there on 4chan at the time when that was freshly happening You know, so that's pretty crazy. I might even do a whole topic about people who just murdered um, and posted it on social media or just on message boards like Reddit, Discord. Of course, we know about that. Um, It happened a few years ago. I remember I talked about it on a side story of mine of uh, This Week in Crime that I used to have uh, where I would talk about various news stories that just about uh, true crime. Uh, We talked. uh, Her name was... uh, divine i think it was or oh my god i'm so horrible i can't believe i forgot her name i just can't think of it off the top of my head but yeah she was murdered by um a a person that she had met online through discord because she had grown a big following on on discord she was essentially an e-girl if you will an internet girl that was just uh, very popular online and uh he murdered her and he posted pictures of her dead body so, yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you'd enjoy this episode of Strange Talk Podcast. There's going to be a new episode next Monday, so stay tuned for that episode. Um, if you are not sure what the episode's going to be about, uh, make sure you're following me at Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram. Again, that's Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram so you can keep up to date with what I'm working on and what new episodes is going to be out. Um, if you want to send me some ideas for episodes, you can reach me um, by Instagram at Strange Podcast, or you can actually email me at strangetalkpodcast at outlook.com. What's that email again? It's Podcast at outlook.com. And as always, guys, stay strange.
1: Thank you for listening. I love you. Bye bye.